We learnt in the second Mishnah of this Perak that since the Torah says that Hashem will bless you in the context of redeeming my Sashini, we learn from there certain leniencies which apply when redeeming my Sashini produce, and that is the so-called blessing which the Torah is talking about that one will need to redeem it for less money. Now, as we learned in the previous Mishnah, when one redeems Maishashenim produce onto money, if the Maishashenim produce belongs to him, then he has to add on a chomesh, a fifth of its value. Although, as we explained, that's actually a quarter of its value. But if you add on the quarter, then it represents a fifth of the total amount, meaning that a quarter is a fifth of one and a quarter. Now, this chomesh which you have to add, you only have to add if you yourself owns the Maishashenim. However, if somebody else redeems your Maishashenim, then he doesn't have to add on a chaymesh. Now, if you think about it, this leads to a very easy loophole when it comes to redeeming my sashani. You could just ask somebody else to redeem it for you, give him some money, tell him to redeem it for you, and that way he'll get out of paying the chaymesh. So you would think that this should be forbidden, or at least midrabbonon forbidden. However, because of this concept of there being a blessing in the redemption of my sashani, we are lenient, and therefore ma'arimin al my sashani, one can be sly and use a trick with regards to redeeming my sashani. Kate said, how so? One can say to his son or daughter, who are above the age of Baro Bas Mitzvah, or to his Jewish male or female slave, and the same would apply to anybody else who is an adult, who isn't related to him. The point is, he can say this even to these people. He can tell them, take this money, and redeem for yourself this Maishashani. Since one's older children, and one's Jewish slaves can own money themselves, this works. However, this wouldn't work if you said it to your son or daughter who is under Barabbas Mitzvah, or to your non-Jewish slaves, because their hand is like your hand, meaning whatever they own, you own. So when you give them the money, you're not actually giving them money. They're still using your money, and therefore they would need to add on the chaymesh. So you can only do this to somebody who is either not related to you and an adult, or you could also do it to your older children or your Jewish slaves. Mishnah, hey, we're now going to see another way of getting out of paying the chaymesh, but this method is only allowed to be done if the owner of the Maishashani produce does not have any money on him. Because this method is slightly more problematic, because as we all see, he will be the one who redeems the produce. So it looks more sort of dodgy, and he's more involved in re the redeeming itself, and therefore it can only be done if he doesn't have any money on him at the moment. So for example, if Hayar Umid by Goyen, if it was standing in the threshing floor, so he didn't have any money on him, the Ebi Odomais, he doesn't have any money with him, he can say to his friend who is with him, this produce of mine, which is currently tevel, it's untithed, the Sinulach Matama is being given to you as a present. So since he gives it to him while it's still tevel, the second person is considered the real owner of it, and now we have to add into the mission, although the mission doesn't say this. At this point, the person, his friend who received the produce, needs to separate the Maishashayni. And then, the original owner goes back and says, This produce is going to be redeemed now. I'm redeeming it onto the money which I have in my house. But since the produce no longer belongs to him, it's like he's redeeming somebody else's produce. And therefore he does not need to add the Chaymesh. So this is another way to get out of paying the chumesh when redeeming my sashayni produce. Mishnevov, the halach is that when somebody buys something, even if it's not my sashayni in general, whenever a transaction is made, as soon as the buyer does a mashicha, he pulls the item towards him. At that point, he acquires the item, and he is now considered the owner of that item. 
even if he hasn't yet paid for it, as soon as he does a Mashiach, that is when it is considered to be his. Now we learned right at the beginning of the Masechta that it's forbidden to sell Maishashayini produce. However, if the reason why the seller is selling the produce is in order that the money which he gets from that will now gain Maishashayini status, and he'll bring that money up to Yerushalayim, then it is permitted because that's just another form of redeeming the Maishashayini produce. It's like any time where somebody else redeems your Maishashayini produce. And so that would be allowed. Says the Mishnah, Moshach menu Maisa. If somebody did a Mashiach on Maishashayini produce, so the buyer did a Mashiach, he pulled the item towards him, and in this case the item is the seller's Maishashayini produce. And that Maishashayini produce he was selling to him for a seller, but the buyer has not yet given him the seller, the money. And Valei Hispiklif say he didn't have enough time to redeem it, meaning he didn't yet pay for it, until the value of the fruit doubled and was now worth two seller. So the first question is, how much does the buyer need to pay the seller? And the answer is, since we said before that the change of ownership, the sale takes place at the time of the Mashiach, when the buyer pulls the item towards him, well at that point it was only worth a seller. And therefore the buyer only owes the seller a seller, mind the pun. So it comes out that Umastaker Basella, the buyer ends up gaining a seller, because he's now got produce which is worth two seller, and he only had to pay one seller for it. So he made a profit of one seller worth of produce. However, says the Mishnah, that's all very good with regards to the sale itself. So if this was a regular sale of, let's say, chulen produce, that would be the halacha. But there's another thing to take into account in this sale, and that is by paying for the produce, the buyer is redeeming the produce. Now, although the sale takes place at the time of the Mashiach, the redemption only takes place at the time where he pays him. Now, when he paid him, it was worth already two seller, not one seller. Which means that the redemption needs to be of two seller. So although he only needs to pay the seller one seller, and that becomes my Sashani, he also needs to set aside another seller, another coin, as my Sashani. However, he can keep that my Sashani. The point is, though, that he has to treat it as my Sashani. Since at the time of the redemption, the produce was worth two seller, so it needs to be transferred onto two seller coins. So my Sashani Shalai, one seller of my Sashani would be his. So at the end of the day, the seller ends up with one seller of my Sashani, and the buyer also ends up with one seller of my Sashani, as well as two seller of Chulin produce, which was my Sashani, but it's now been redeemed. Now what happens, says the Mishnah, if it was the other way around? If the buyer did a Mashiach on the Maishashani produce when it was worth two seller, so since at the time of the sale it was worth two seller, whatever happens, the buyer will have to pay the seller two seller. But he didn't manage to pay him the money, which would be redeeming the Maishashani produce, until the produce went down in value and was now only worth one seller. So since at the time of paying it was only the produce was only worth one seller, that means that only one seller of the money will gain Maishashani status. Now when redeeming Maishashani produce onto money, that money cannot already be Maishashani. Obviously it has to be Chulin, and now by redeeming it onto the money, the money becomes Maishashani. So the Mishnah says, He needs to pay one seller of Chulin, and that will become Maishashani, and the seller, and the other seller which he has to pay him, that's not going to become Maishashani. So it doesn't have to be a Chulin seller, it could even be the seller shall Maishashani shallai. He could pay him using a seller which is already Maishashani, because it's not being used to, as redemption. Now, of course, if he does give him the second seller as Maishashani, then it needs to be treated as Maishashani, and I'll have to eat it in Yerushalayim. But this second seller could technically also come from Chulin. The point is it can even come from Maishashani, 
because it is not being used to redeem the Maishasheni. Now the Mishnah does caution that if the person selling you the produce was an Amha'aretz and therefore he's not trusted with regards to the laws of Tumah and Tahara and we suspect him of eating Maishasheni in a state of Tumah because he is assumed to be Tomei himself. So in that scenario you are not allowed to give an Amha'aretz Maishasheni because you'll be causing him to do an Avera of eating Maishasheni in a state of Tumah. So really ideally you should just give him Chulin as the second as the second seller but if you want, you're also allowed to give him Nosanome Demai. You could give him a seller of Demai Maishasheni. Maishasheni, which you separated from Demai, which itself is a doubtful produce whether it's even obligated in Maishas. So since the tithes from Demai are only Midjabonon anyway, we are lenient and we allow you to give an Amhaaretz Maishasheni from Demai. But as we said, ideally you should just give him Chulin, even as the second seller, and that will remain as Chulin. Although, of course, the first seller as we explained before, is used as a redemption. And so that would become Maishasheni, whatever happens. Mishnah Zayin, continuing the laws with regards to redeeming Maishasheni, the Mishnah tells us, One who redeems Maishasheni, so he sets aside a certain amount of money, corresponding to the value of the Maishasheni produce, but he didn't declare its name, meaning he didn't say explicitly, this is the redemption for Maishasheni, rather he just did the act. Now many of the Mephoshim understand this case to be a case where he was discussing it before he did it. He was discussing the fact that he's going to redeem the Maishasheni produce. It's just that at the time that he actually did it, he didn't say what he was doing. So Biyasi says, It's enough because we can assume that that's what he was talking about. We know what he's doing here. And it's obvious enough what he is doing even without him explicitly saying so. However, Rabbi Yehuda, Rabbi Yehuda says, we can't just assume that, and rather Tzorach Lefarish, he needs to explain what he is doing, he needs to explicitly say this is the redemption of the Maishasheni, and otherwise it does not work. And the Mishnah brings a very similar machlekes, and that is, If somebody had been discussing with his wife, or with a woman who is not yet his wife, who is discussing matters of her divorce or her kiddushin, Kiddushin is when he sort of gets engaged to her, it's the first stage of one's marriage, and when one gives her a get, or he gives her something for Kiddushin, let's say a ring, or money, or a document, He gave her her get, or her Kiddushin, but without saying what it is for. So again, it's enough, because since they were discussing it before, it's obvious what this is for. However, Rabbi Yehuda, Rabbi Yehuda says it's not enough to base this assumption on what they were discussing before. We need to know for certain what he's doing right now. And Sarah Farish, he needs to explicitly explain that that which he's giving her is in order to get divorced from her, or in order to get married to her. And if he doesn't do that, we can't base assumptions on other things and the divorce or the Kiddushin would be invalid according to Rabbi Yehuda.